Rosanna, and this is AFL Obsessed. How is your week? I'm not sure if you feel me, but I'm just ready for the grand final already. After spending the weekend at what seemed like the salon with those prelim blowouts, I hope you really enjoyed the fun interview I did with Chizo that dropped a couple of days ago about footy, life, and honestly, what it's like or what life is like behind the scenes as a podcaster. So you can check that out if you need something extra to help you get through the weekend. So the AFL has scrapped the grand final parade. So it feels a little anticlimactic, I want to say, with little fanfare at the moment with the buy-in place. But I really love seeing all of the parts of Melbourne that have new murals and fences that have been painted kind of the alternative ways that you can show your pride to celebrate your team. It's been kind of a busier, but at the same time, quieter week. I don't know how to even describe, just like a head down kind of week for me getting stuff done. And on the footy front, there's lots of news and players locked into contracts. So Lockie Neal, just a couple of days after that surprising news that we talked about previously, that maybe he wanted out, he announced that he is staying at Brisbane. And Luke Parker is staying at Sydney. I love the way the club delivered the news, actually. Apparently, all of the Swans members got like a text message with a video of him addressing them. And a Swans quartet also signed on. There's also a fight for Adam Chera. I think it looks like Melbourne is also in the race to grab him. And Jake Kelly nominated Essendon, which Chizo and I talked about. Jordan Dawson asked for a trade back to South Australia. So there's been a lot of action with announcements, guys. And I'm just glad that no one wants out of my club this time around because we're being a little ruthless with our list. And to be honest, I'm happy about it. So let's get to it and dive into the opening overture of my overall thoughts on the week and where we're at now in NYC and Australia. So I ticked another thing off my NYC bucket list last week. I've always wanted to see Shakespeare in the Park. And for anyone who doesn't know, it's this amazing annual event and theatrical program that stages these beautiful productions of Shakespearean plays in this open-air theater right in the middle of Central Park. And it's been around for 45 years, so it's become its own, like, NYC institution, and they've hosted over 5 million people in the space. So some notable performers, I think, that have come through and have graced that Delacorte Theater stage are Meryl Streep, James Earl Jones, and Al Pacino. So they've all kind of participated in Shakespeare in the Park. The event was canceled last year, obviously, and I think the season literally ends tomorrow. But this year they had a complete lottery for all of the tickets, and I won. So Andrew and I went. And it was this amazing, indescribable feeling, guys. I missed live theater so much, and I didn't even realize how big that void was, but I will never take it for granted ever again. So we got there like a little early, and we sat on the Great Lawn in Central Park, and you know how much I love people watching, and everyone was just enjoying this beautiful evening, picnicking and playing sports, and There was like this crepe stand and a hot dog stand. So we got to watch the sunset. And for that half hour, it just felt like things were back to the before again. And the show itself, um, (laughs) like, what did you even see? Was Mary Wives, 
kind of a take on the Merry Wives of Windsor with a contemporary twist. So it was set in South Harlem with this stacked talent, an all-black cast, and it kind of focused on West African immigrant characters. So it was this amazingly beautiful celebration of culture and diversity. And we also spent some time on our rooftop with a friend on 9-11 because you can see the Freedom Tower from it. Our friend was actually in the Twin Towers the week before the event itself. So it was just very moving seeing those lasers kind of shoot into the sky like a bat signal. But as for what's happening in Melbourne, it's it was really great to see, I think, Melbourne's landmarks all lit up over the weekend in support of Melbourne going to the grand final. So everything was red and blue. And I think some of the restrictions are lifting for Victorians and regional Victorians because they've hit the target of having 70% of the population, I think, aged over 16 single-dosed with the VAC. So applause for that. I know the list of restrictions that have kind of lifted is kind of complicated if you want to explain that to me. And as for New South Wales, curfew in the 12 greater Sydney like hotspots are going to lift as the state has hit their 80% single-dose vaccination milestone. (laughs) I can't talk today. And as for WA, the House elected Dorinda Cox to the Senate of Australia. So she is the first Aboriginal female senator for Western Australia. So those are all kind of just exciting milestones I feel like we're hitting. Wherever you are in the world, though, let me know how you're doing and how you're coping. You know I'm always here for you. AFL Footy Obsessed at Gmail and AFL Obsessed on Twitter, Insta, and Facebook if you'd like. Twitter or Insta DMs I'm kind of quicker at responding to. But now let's get to footy and on to Act 1 with AFL news and headlines from the prelims. So prelim game one, Melbourne versus Geelong. Oh, what a ruck. I can't even. Just like the film Gone Girl, this was a gone game, like (laughs) G-A-W-N. But where to start? Just an unforgettable performance from Ghani, who kicked five goals. It's definitely time to DPP him in Supercoach as a dual position player, ruck and forward. But just a relentless drive from the Ds to the point where the crowd legit did a Mexican wave out of boredom because the cats were kind of struggling. I think the winning tweet goes to James at jsmove underscore five five. So he wrote, things that I trust more than Gary Rowan in a final. Kind of an extensive list, but the highlights for me, Mexican tab water, petrol station sushi, (laughs) emails from Nigerian princesses, and ivermectin. Ooh, savage. I'm going to have to go easy on them, though, the cats, because I guess we're finding out now that You know, there was some gastro that worked its way through the club and players before their game. But sidebar, you know, I'm not really throwing shade on Mexico. I just want to be clear. I really have had some great holidays there. It's kind of like our Bali to Australians. But for real, if you do go there, do not drink the tap water um, and don't order a fountain drink because the ice will be made from it. But yeah, let's talk about Geelong for a second. Every once in a while, things happen in the game when I'm watching it that kind of makes you zoom out from everything and just take it all into perspective. So I feel like Geelong is being run a bit like a Ponzi scheme. 
<laughs> I know, hear me out. So their approach seems to be that they stack their deck year after year by focusing on recruiting seasoned players to keep like the engine of their team running, almost like they require the constant injection of experience just to keep the whole thing afloat. So like a Ponzi scheme where you're just, you know, getting new investors that you're using to pay off like your old investors just to keep like the charade afloat or whatever, Geelong keeps bringing in the experience. And that's fine. I mean, there's nothing wrong with that like approach and strategy. But a team is supposed to have like a balance between new rookies and seasoned veterans. So I can't help but feel like it's all going to fall apart and collapse when everyone collectively gets older, like the second that all dries up because they are going to need like new blood with their players like aging out at the same time. (laughs) Does that make any sense? I mean, don't come for me, but you can tell me if you agree with me. I will asterisk that point with the one exception that people who are involved in a Ponzi scheme don't realize they're in it. But in this case, you know, the team is running that way by design. But anyway, (laughs) the D's are into the grand final and it is their first appearance since 2000. So massive props and applause there. And in the other prelim final in the Port versus Bulldogs game. Okay, I'm not even sure what happened because I'm always analyzing the effort or the execution of the game style and play. And it's like the power went out on the team just before and during their half of the game. Like it felt like poor Adelaide got mugged in a back alley and the Bulldogs took their keys, phone and wallet to me or like the doggies, you know, took their lunch money at school and bullied them because Port just looks so rattled and a bit lost on the field. 89 turnovers. I mean, what is that even? Some backstory, I guess. So the doggies were denied training sessions in South Australia before their prelim final even though the entire team and staff had tested negative like 14 times in 25 days. And I have to find the source and tell me if you've heard this. But meanwhile, like while this is all happening, Poor as a team offered their members flights with players to escort them personally to the grand final. I mean, they booked flights with players to kind of celebrate their prelim heading to the grand final. And somehow this got leaked to the Bulldogs. So Bevo actually played footage of that for the team. Kind of like, yo, Port thinks this game is a foregone conclusion. Like they already think they're going to win this and they've already beaten you in their minds. So they haven't even given us a chance, you know. And then you cut back to the performance and the doggies were unleashed onto the team. I mean, with a fury that you know, I haven't seen in a while that Port was wholly unprepared for. And the rest is history. So Bailey Smith, too. What a massive player. You guys know I adore, adore. And his interview after the game, too. He's such a polished speaker and he's so composed. And you forget that he's only 20 years old if you, you know, are just kind of taking everything from the outset. I do wonder how Port will fare when they go back to kind of the drawing board during the offseason. I know that teams 
you know, sometimes get fired up to avenge that loss and come back harder the next season. And there have been some creative ways that they've done that in the past. And you guys can judge whether or not the strategies have worked. But remember that Adelaide preseason camp that we've talked at great length about? And I read the coach played the Richmond theme song at all of their training sessions just to have that extra burn and sting into their players and to really fire them up having to hear someone else's theme song. But yeah, I'm interested in how the teams that lost the prelims are going to, you know, reprogram and reassess and just come back with whatever, you know, their new game plan or style will be. As for headlines, there's just a few. So Carlton parted ways with their CEO and literally just appointed Brian Cook from Geelong as their new CEO. So that was quite the grab. Brian Cook, as we know, just left um, a few weeks prior. And Brad Scott was appointed the new AFL general manager of football. So that's kind of exciting. That role is now filled. And Collingwood has appointed their new assistant coaches, Justin Lepich and Brendan Bolden. Brendan Bolton, <laughs> excuse me. So there's lots of new gigs for familiar faces. And in addition to that, Bob Murphy, I think, accepted um, an off-field role with Frio. So he is busting out of Victoria. <laughs> and Silk accepted an expanded role with Port. So he's taken it home too. So that's really exciting. And I think Corey Enright got appointed as the new St. Kilda assistant coach in charge of defense. So yeah, just some done deals as we wait for free agency to open up, I think the Friday after the grand final. And yeah, tell me what you guys think. I mean, what did you think of the games? Who's your money on for the grand final? My email is aflfootyobsessed at gmail if you'd like to share. And don't forget, you can leave me a voicemail on Anchor too if you want. Just check the show notes and um, I'll play it in a future epi. Okay, it's intermission, so during this time, let's just cut away to other sports. So the NFL season started last week, which is really exciting, and Aaron Sipas, the former St. Kilda player for us, is the current punter in the NFL for the Philadelphia Eagles. So he's on a three-year, $8 million deal. <laughs> I'm sure he's really happy with that, and he joins Cam Johnston with the Houston Texans, who is punting and also played a season with the D's. But yeah, the, one of the funniest things that happened last night when I was watching um, the New York Giants face off with Washington's football team <laughs> in the broadcast, the Spanish language guys broadcast was bleeding over into the network broadcast. I don't know if you guys have ever heard of that happening, but it was simultaneous playing, simultaneously playing and really funny. Um, it was a bit of like a migraine move if you were checking it out. I think it was just on the local network. Someone pointed it out to me, thankfully on Twitter, so we could switch to the NFL channel and kind of alleviate that. But it was a pretty funny moment if you guys were around for that on this side of the States. And as for global sports, Connor McKenna, didn't think you'd hear that name again, <laughs> do you? But he won the All-Senior, All-Ireland Senior Football Championship. And it was really great to see just a pic of him smiling again and holding up a cup. And Daniel Ricciardo won the Italian Grand Prix. So that was really exciting. I think the most exciting news um, for anyone who, whether or not you're into tennis, there was a teenage face-off for the first time at the U.S. Open, and 
British player Emma Rajikani won, so that was really exciting. But now we're on to Act 2, where we have discussions about relevant footy topics and issues. So there was a great article in The Age that listener Cheryl submitted, so thank you for that. And it was called The AFL Grand Final All-Female Affair by Stephen Brooke and Samantha Hutchinson. And it just talked about how there's been like a boil over since our favorite Peggy O'Neill rose to become that first female club chair. And that's reflected, I think, in this year's grand final between the two clubs that are led by women as president of their football clubs. We've talked about both of them. So Kylie Watson-Wheeler for the Bulldogs and Kate Roffey for the Demons. It is worth noting that they are both at the helm. At the same time, they're kind of steering their clubs through these finals campaigns all in their first year in the role. So huge stakes, a huge challenge, I guess, you know, huge stakes. Like what's that like quote, like high stakes, high reward or something like that, high risk, high reward. (laughs) But yeah, it's going to be, as I said, like a mouth-watering matchup next weekend. I do think right now, though, the Ds have some challenges. They are training without their coach, Simon Goodwin, and assistant coach, Adam Uze because Gastro has gone through their club. So hopefully that'll be, you know, worked out of their system before next week because I don't want anything kind of holding anyone back, you know, from achieving their greatness for like either team. And I will say whoever walks away with the flag, I won't be disappointed. And I honestly won't be upset, I guess, by whoever wins because I've got a love for both great teams for different reasons. And, you know, head and heart, you guys know how I feel, but all the best to both teams. I do think one may have a slight edge. So Mark Hamill <laughs> tweeted about the club. Do not ask me who that is. <laughs> Here, like, And he said, here's my shout out to the Melbourne Football Club and all my mates down under. So, you know, if you've got the force on your side, I don't know if, you know, you might be unstoppable. And... As for kind of more lighthearted thoughts on the grand final, there was a really funny headline I saw in the Herald Sun, I think about the lineup reveal for performers, and it was legit, just don't meatloaf it up. (laughs) So if you'll remember my horrified reaction to that performance when I saw the video and how like excited I was just to know that someone of that magnitude had performed at, you know, like your... It's like the Australian Super Bowl, you know? But yeah, and then I watched the video, as you guys remember, of how, you know, Meatloaf would sing anything for love, but he shouldn't sing that. And a performance that everyone in attendance and watching maybe on TV probably hoped would be his last concert. You know, just a stinging reminder, since I'm such a music person, that money can't buy pitch. So yeah, I just have to slide in some bomber chat at the end of this. You know, I'm really excited about next year. It's Essendon's 150th, and they kicked off their celebration with this video interview that they just released last night. I don't know if you guys saw it. Last night for me anyways. And it was Sarah Jones interviewing Paul Brasher and Xavier Campbell, so president and CEO of the club. And the club unveiled a new logo in this amazing video with graphics. I 
probably watched it at least 10 times <laughs> and I'm going to watch it a few more times. Okay, let's be real. Maybe 150 <laughs> by the time the annual celebration comes around. But there's also going to be an eight-part documentary that looks so incredible. And I'm really looking forward to it. It's going to be released in October. Really anything to help me get through the off-season. But now we're in the after show. And I just have to shout out Toondale Aniran. My bestie from the greatest showman interviews, if you guys remember. And if you want to laugh again, that was a two-part laughing gas special, <laughs> so I see it. But he just released an amazing single called Doorway with Yo-Yo Ma, another fave. And honestly, I'm going to have to find when they FaceTimed me while they were working on that track. Um, <laughs> my faces, I mean, my jaw just, I think, dropped to the floor and I needed some assistance kind of putting it back together. But yeah, I'll Insta story that if you want to check it out, along with a bunch of other stories. So look out this weekend. There's going to be a ton from the last few epies that I'll just be firing away. But yeah, just remember you can buy me a coffee if you want to help keep some pep in my step as I grind out more content for you. And just a shout out to Pippa Dempsey. Thanks for getting me three cups of coffee. I'm currently enjoying this really decadent, almost like a dessert drink from Starbucks. Don't judge me. It's like an iced apple crisp macchiato or something. <laughs> like it, it tastes like a warm apple pie um, in like an iced form of a drink. I don't know. It's very comforting. So I've decided that I'm sending voice notes personally as a thank you for anyone who contributes to my cause. So be on the lookout for that if you've done that already, if you've grabbed me a cup. But thanks, guys, for sharing a part of your day with me and keeping me company. So hopefully I'm doing that for part of your day, too. And that's it for me. So thanks for listening rating and subscribing everyone and thanks for hanging around for the show stay safe and healthy check on your friends and neighbors we'll get through this like we have with footy one more week i'm virtually hugging you and we'll talk footy soon